Uh oh, this is scary. You don't want me speaking, guys, because I'm I'm just kidding. No, it's nice meeting y'all that don't know me. I'm Alan. Um, those of y'all that do know me, hi. <laughs> Welcome to Austin Chapel. Love you guys. I'm so honored to be able to share God's word with y'all this morning. Um, this week, um, we're, we're continuing our series in John. Uh, we've been in John, it seems like, for a while now. It's been really, really awesome. And this, this text that we're going to look at today, um, as soon as Stephen told me, he's like, yeah, hey, do you want to speak? I was like, yeah. Um, the last time I spoke was kind of a long time ago. I don't know if y'all, y'all remember, we were talking about, like, um, uh, it was in Jonah, and I had to speak about whales. And anyways, that was, that was pretty fun. But uh, this text is very, very challenging. We're looking at John 5, uh, 1 through 15. And I'm so excited because uh, as soon as I read it, I was like, man, this is, this is heavy, <laughs> which is good. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, uh, you know, we're not here to just preach about like, you know, the, the feel good messages or things that like, oh, you know, you know, three steps to be, you know, more wise or I mean, I don't know. You've heard these, these, these messages that don't really get to the, to the heart. And I think Jesus throughout all of scripture, like when we see his life, when he speaks, it's like right to the heart. I mean, every time. Um, it just, you know, he cuts through all the, you know, the pretties and niceties and just goes right to the boom, right where it needs to go. And my hope is that as we read this text, that we let the word go right to our heart. Right. Amen. So um, let's pray. I just want to pray that God's um, just power and his spirit would be in this place. Uh, we worship a living God. Amen. Um, you guys are not here to listen to me or Stephen or Ernesto or anybody else for that matter, or even Krista or Ken's when they're leading worship. Um, we don't have, I, I was just in Mexico with my wife uh, a week ago. Um, my sister-in-law got married and we took a trip down there and uh, she got married in a Catholic church. And, uh, you know, I, I, I've grown up pretty much in the Christian church, so I didn't, you know, really get, you know, I've, I've gone to other churches, but I never, I never been to a Catholic wedding. And, um, you know, it's this real small town, you know, in, in Mexico that we went to, and they have this amazing, beautiful church. I mean, literally, it's like gold. Like, all the walls are literally gold. And they have this giant Jesus statue, and they have, like, his eyes. You ever seen those paintings that, like, no matter where you walk, like, it's looking at you? You ever seen those? Their Jesus statue is like that. I swear, it's really creepy. Like, you're like, walk over here, and like, Jesus is like, hanging on the cross, like, staring at you. You're like, oh my gosh, like, can't get away from this thing. But uh, the scary thing was like, it's like super creepy to see like, the Jesus that I know and love so misrepresented, so misunderstood. And, um, you know, it was just, it was really interesting. Um, the, the, what do they call them, priests, right? The priest that day, he was like real sick. <laughs> so he's like, he's doing the wedding and he's literally like, like he's speaking and like boogers are coming out of his nose. Um, <laughs> so thankfully for y'all, you don't have to watch me do anything like that, but I'm feeling pretty good today, thankfully. But anyways, um, so it was really funny. And uh, I, I don't know, they're like very, um, 
It's very showy. It's very, they do like this communion thing. And I'm just laughing because like he basically goes and does this like real ceremonial thing. Every last little crumb he like scrapes and makes sure it's in like the communion wine. I don't know how familiar y'all are with all this. I hope, I hope some of y'all know what I'm talking about. But anyways, and then, you know, each person walks up and there's this like really, really sick priest. And he's like serving with his hand, like these chunks of like wet wine bread and everyone walks up and like kneels before him and like he, he's like feeding them, right? Like they take their communion and they all walk up one at a time. And I'm just like, man, good thing. I believe in Jesus that like, you know, heals and like, you know, everyone's gonna walk out sick out of that place. because This guy's all like sneezing all over this communion. And I had no intention of sharing any of this with y'all this morning, but I feel it's the Holy Spirit. No, just kidding. <laughs> no. <laughs> No, but anyways, um, it was really interesting. But the important thing was that seeing Jesus on the cross right there, it really hurt my heart because I just said, you know, this is like so not who Jesus is. This is so not what God is. God is not dead. He's not, you know, there's a famous movie now that that says this, but it's very true. And the, the important thing is not just to say that, but to live it. Like to really understand, like can we all just understand one thing right now? Like God is alive. You don't worship a statue. You don't worship an idol. You don't worship something that some really wise people made up years ago and wrote stories about. The God that you're here to meet today is alive. He's moving. He's in you. He's with us. He's around us and he's in you. And if you don't believe that, what do you believe? Because that's what we believe here in Austin Chapel. That's the God that we come here to worship. And that's the God that we hope that we can all come together and experience. So there's no idol here. There's no statue. There's no nothing. But you know what? Even though maybe we don't have something here that you can see and say, hey, that's God. Look, God is here. Amen? God is here. So uh, let's pray real quick and uh, we'll get into God's word, okay? Father God, I just ask you, Lord, that you just... Be with us this morning, Father, that you just be with me, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you just give me your words, Lord, that you would uh, pour out your power, that you would pour out, Lord, your, your grace, Lord, and your love upon me and upon our church. I just ask, Lord, that above all things, Father, that we would do things, Lord, and, and say things that glorify you. We want to be a good representation, Lord, of your son, Jesus. Lord, we want to we do things, Lord, in a way that brings you glory. We love you, Jesus. I just ask you to be over our time. Fill us with your spirit, Lord. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for your word. Amen. Amen. So we're reading um, in John 5, and this is another story about healing. Um, Last week, if you were here, you heard uh, Stephen preach about uh, the sincere, right? That was the title of the message. And we, we read the message about the man who his son is sick, and he comes running to meet Jesus, and, you know, he basically, you know, just begs Jesus to, to heal his son. And Jesus basically says, you know, go and it is done, right? I mean, your, your faith has healed him and he runs back down and, you know, and he, he finds that his son at the exact time and place that, that Jesus said those words was healed. And we see like he had this sincere faith and it was just a really amazing, beautiful thing. Well, today we're reading another story about healing but I think God really wants us to take something very different out of this story. It's very different than the previous story on healing that we, that we read last week. And today's title, I'm calling it The Healthy. <laughs> the Healthy. And not necessarily in the way that we think of health, um, especially in America. We're all consumed with diets and the keto and the, 
you know, whatever. I know that so I love y'all who do it. I know some of y'all do the keto here. Josh, love you, buddy. You're very healthy, my man. Uh, <laughs> and uh, maybe some other ones do keto. I'm sorry, I'm not making fun of you. I need to do some keto, so I'll take some tips if you have some for me. Um, anyways, but I know there's like meal prep. Like it seems like every year there's like this new thing. We're kind of obsessed with health in our society, as we should be, because we're pretty fat. <laughs> uh, we, you know, we, we're blessed in America. Like we get to actually plan out our diets, right? And other places in the world, they don't even, you know, they just eat whatever's available, whatever they can afford. Um, but we're, we're blessed in that way. But this, this type of health that we're looking at in scripture is more of overall health, right? Because you can be very physically healthy and not in other ways, right? I mean, there's a lot of people out there who are physically pretty healthy, um, but obviously in other ways, not. And I think God wants us to be a healthy church all around. He wants you to be healthy emotionally, physically, mentally, spiritually, and physically. Uh, physical health is important to God as well. I mean, hey, the gluttony is a real sin. We don't talk about it, but it's, it's a thing. <laughs> and uh, God wants a healthy church. Amen? Do you believe that? Do you think God wants you to be healthy? Definitely does. I think it's obvious throughout Scripture that he wants you to be healthy. He wants a healthy church. Um, so let's read John 5, 1 through 15. I'm going to read it in the NLT, um, but feel free to read it in whatever version you want. It should be on the screen as well, I believe. Maybe not, but <laughs> it says uh, like this. <clears throat> Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city, near the sheep gate, was the pool of Bethesda, with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, Would you like to get well? The man replied, I can't, sir. The sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. But this miracle happened on the Sabbath. So the Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man who was cured, you can't work on the Sabbath. The law doesn't allow you to carry that sleeping mat. But he replied, the man who healed me told me, pick up your mat and walk. Who said such a thing as that? They demanded. The man didn't know for Jesus had disappeared into the crowd. But afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and told him, now you are well. So stop sinning or something even worse may happen to you. Then the man went and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had healed him. Amen. Awesome word. Really, really interesting things happen in there that uh, we're going to talk about because it's, it's kind of a crazy story. Um, a little bit strange, especially in the beginning there. Um, but obviously, you know, uh, Jesus wants this man to be healed and he challenges them, right? I mean, Scripture tells us that, you know, by his stripes we were healed. We are healed. As a matter of fact, if you read the text, um, where we get that is Isaiah 53, 5. I'm going to read it real quick because we, we say this verse a lot, but something that I read in there and I loved, it's just a, it's just a little, it's the little things in scripture that are awesome. Um, it says, it's Isaiah 53, 5. 
It says, uh, but he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. It's, it's talking like in the present, right? It's like he, this happened so that this could happen. Like this is still true today. It's not like, oh, you know, that was true then. Like he was whipped so that we could be whole. That he was beaten so we could be whole. Like this is still true today. And that's why we declare that. Oftentimes I talk about healing. People say, well, by, you know, Jesus' stripes, we are healed, right? Um, and it's because that's true today. Like Jesus died on the cross and he rose again. But those stripes that he, you know, the, the, the beating that he took was for your healing. So obviously God wants you to be healed. He wants you to be healthy, right? So much so that he allowed himself to be beaten, hung on a cross. Like part of the purpose in him doing that was so that you could be healthy. It's kind of crazy to think about. But like part of Jesus' motivation to endure the cross was like seeing all of our pain and saying, I want them to be healthy. That's amazing. That's beautiful. Sometimes we just look at the cross as just, just salvation. But there's other things that happened there too. Like Jesus was willing to be beaten and bruised and battered. Any of y'all seen Passion of Christ? It was pretty intense, right? I mean, <laughs> he was willing to be tortured, basically, so that you could be healed. I'd say that Jesus wants you to be healthy, right? I mean, to me, it's pretty clear, right? But the story is really interesting. The first thing I think that you look at the story is like, what is the Pool of Bethesda? Because this is like kind of weird. Um, you know, it's like this place where there's these sick people and they're, you know, apparently if they jump in there and whatnot, they get healed. Um, in fact, in different translations, there's a verse in there that's removed in some translations and another it's, it's, it's added. If you don't mind, I'll read King James for you real quick, just because in King James, it's in there. Um, every time I read King James, I think of my grandfather. Because he's always like, you got to read King James. King James, right? Have you ever talked about like other versions of the, the Bible? My grandfather's like, King James, King James. It's funny. Anyways, I love him. But anyways, um, so in King James, it gives a little bit more context. And I'll talk about why in like NLT and ESV, it's not in there. But in King James, there's verse four in there. If you look at your Bible, it might just go from three to five, depending on what um, version you have. But in King James, there's verse four in there, and it's kind of weird. It says, uh, so I'll read from three to five. That we, it says, in these, uh, this is King James, okay? It says, in verse three, it says, in these lay a great multitude of impotent folk. I like that, impotent folk. Uh, gotta love King James. Of blind, halt, withered, uh, waiting for the moving of the water. And here's what's added in King James. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in, was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. Okay, so uh, in, in King James, we see that there's like this angel that comes down and stirs up the water at some un, you know, certain time, you know, certain time, whatever that is, a certain season, I guess, so a certain time of the year. I, I don't know exactly what time, but... Apparently, an angel comes down, stirs up the water, and people would get in, and then they were healed, okay? Now, it seems like a pretty important part of the story, right? I mean, <laughs> why would ESV and NLT like, just be like, nah, we're not going to put that in there. We don't like that. Well, it's actually pretty debated whether that's, you got to remember all of this is going back to original text, which is usually Greek or Aramaic, depending on, on the text. I believe John's Greek, right? Yeah, John's Greek. Um, and 
uh, it's pretty debated among scholars in the original text if this is kind of something that was added later or not. It's not really found in some, I guess, of the oldest manuscripts and in some of the other ones it is. And then even the way it's kind of written, it's almost more like folklore or like, like this is kind of the, the legend of the Pool of Bethesda. Um, that's what some people believe. So in, in a lot of the newer translations, they leave this part out. Okay, here's the deal. Whether it's an angel or whether it's just a pool, it's probably more like a hot spring or something, okay? They just had natural curative things. It, it, it was a place that people went, put their hope in that they would be healed. I believe some people probably were healed. Um, whether that was miraculously through an angel or like there's some of these hot springs still today. I used to have a friend in, in uh in high school, uh, she had eczema, like really bad, like real bad, like all over her mouth and her eyes. And I don't know if you've ever seen someone that uh, has eczema real bad, but it's, it's pretty intense. And one of her dreams was to go get like this f real expensive flight and you gotta go like to, I think it's like somewhere in Iceland or somewhere, but anyways, there's these springs. He's all, yeah, my, my Uncle Tim knows about it. But there's like these literal springs where people who have like psoriasis and eczema are literally being healed. Like you got to go spend some time there. It's not just like you jump in once. Like there's apparently like really good minerals in that hot spring. And if you spend um, an ample amount of time there, people are, are um, either being healed or it's being really reduced. The, 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 the amount of, of, of eczema and, and psoriasis and different, different skin diseases. Um, and so there, there's evidence that possibly it was something like this. You got to remember, this, isn't, this is a long time ago. People got eczema or psoriasis or things like that. They didn't just go to the pharmacy or to the doctor. I mean, they, they didn't have modern medicine, okay? So a lot of these, uh, what you would call old school or, or, or what we kind of look at them as kind of like Eastern medicine or like mysticism. But for them, it was perfectly normal to consider that medicine. Um, in fact, in a lot of cultures, there's actually, I was looking into this, it's very interesting. There's something called like balnology or something like that. Anyways, it's like the study of like hot springs on the effect of the body. And like the Japanese are like super into it. Um, they have like thousands of years of like tradition of people spending long amounts of time in like hot tubs and, and not like, you know, in like community, it's, it's very weird. Um, but it's pretty cool at the same time. And they, they claim it can lower things like um, arthritis. Um, they say that it really lowers blood pressure um, and, it, and it heals a lot of other type of circulatory illnesses and things like that. So anyways, long story short, whether this pool of Bethesda was something that was just kind of like there was natural minerals there and there's like this hot spring that it just bubbled up because of nature certain times of the year and people jumped in there and were healed of certain things. Or, hey, maybe there was. It would be weird because nowhere else in Scripture does God send like an angel to like go, you know, we don't really see this in Scripture. Like, hey, you know, there's this, go bless that pool. People are going to jump in and be like, that would be kind of strange. But, hey, at the end of the day, God only parted the sea once too. So, you know, there's, <laughs> you know, there's, it, it could be, it could be that it was God. I mean, I don't, I don't think that that would be, unreasonable. I think God's big enough to do that. Amen. But, um, but whether it was that or just something natural, people put their faith and their hope here. So much so that this man, he goes there and I mean, think about this. He's there for 38 years. That's a long time. That's a long time. 
38 years, guys, is a long time, especially back then. I mean, this guy was, you know, I don't know how old he was when he started, but he's pretty much, you know, people didn't live very long back then. I mean, you were lucky to reach 50, right? So, I mean, that's a long time. That's a long time to be there, putting your faith and your hope in this pool. And really uh, interesting that Jesus sees him there. But let's talk about this sick man a little bit. I think it's, uh, I don't know. I think it's pretty interesting the way that the Bible refers to him. So when we go back and we look, it, uh, something that, that was really cool about this text is the wording is really specific. And uh, it says on here, like uh, crowd, so verse three says, crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of them, uh, one of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. Why do I think that's an important distinction? Well, it just clearly states that there's sick, there's blind, and there's paralyzed. And then it refers to this man as sick, not paralyzed. There's other texts where it says a paralyzed man came. So obviously this guy's illness wasn't that he was paralyzed, even though he can't make it into the pool and all that. It's more likely that he was sick, so, so much so that he was uh, invalid, unable to move. He was, um, it, the illness wasn't just like, you know, his illness wasn't that he was paralyzed. His illness was something that led to him being immobile, basically. Um, we, we know of diseases like this, right? You get diabetes really, really bad. You can get like, you know, uh, gout and things like that. And you can, if it gets real bad, I mean, you can, you know, basically become paralyzed. Um, or immobilized. Um, there's a lot like gangrene. I mean, there, you know, anyways, I'm not a disease expert, but there's a lot of, you know, back then too, like people would get tumors and they'd get so bad that like they literally couldn't move. This is really common back then. Uh, we don't, matter of fact, if you, in a lot of third world countries, this is still a thing. You can see like, like there's pretty gross videos, but <laughs> um, like in India, there's people like they have like tumors that like, guys, you wouldn't believe. I mean, tumors that are like, it's just like they have like three legs or things like that. And they, they can't move. They're in so much pain. Um, it's so massive. They can't move. And they don't have like, you know, modern medicine. They don't have things like drain the tumors early on. So they literally just grow and grow and grow. And you can live with a benign tumor for a long time. It's, it's kind of, it's, it's horrible. It's horrible. But it's unclear exactly what this man had. But it's clear that it wasn't like he was just born with like, you know, he wasn't just born paralyzed. He had some sort of illness that led to him being immobile. Why is that distinction important? Because of kind of what Jesus alludes to later on, okay? But the sick man obviously had something. And uh, Jesus approaches him. And I love this because it says, uh, when Jesus saw him, and knew he had been ill for a long time. How did he know that? <laughs> I mean, that's just Jesus for you right there. I mean, a lot of other people probably just walked right by this guy, you know? But Jesus sees him and says, man, like, you know, that's just the Holy Spirit, like, showed him, like, this guy's been here a long time. And the question that Jesus asks him is just, like, awesome. He says, would you like to get well? Like, doesn't even know him. A lot of times we read these stories, guys, and we assume that, like, everyone knows Jesus, Okay, <laughs> like you have to you have to remember that for this guy, he's just some dude like Jesus just walks up to him. He doesn't know who he is. He doesn't know who Jesus is. He's just some guy like Jesus just walks up to him. He's sitting there laying close to the pool. Um, obviously, he wants to be healed or else he wouldn't be there. This seems like a very weird question. 
It's almost like you walking up to a guy who's holding up a sign, like begging for money. It's like, hey, would you like some money? It's like, uh, duh. <laughs> I mean, it's just, just kind of weird. Like, this is like, what do you mean what I like? So, yeah, you know, this is a very interesting question. It just walks up to this guy. He's like, hey, would you like to get well? Really interesting. And it's interesting because he goes immediately into kind of like this, this kind of like mentality. He goes, I can't, sir. The sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the waters bubble up. Someone always gets there ahead of me. Right? He's like, I can't. I can't get healthy. I can't be well. I can't. I've been here 38 years and, and I can't. Every time the waters bubble up and it's, and it's time to get in, someone else beats me in, 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 into the pool and, and uh, I've got no one who, who will help me. Doesn't that seem very strange? I mean, obviously he, he, he was able to beg or get money or, I mean, he's, he's living for 38 years. Somebody's giving him food, water. I mean, he can't walk to get water. I mean, how, 38 years, you can't convince anybody. You can't convince some people, hey, this time, this time, can I be the first one? Will y'all help me? I've been here 20 years. How, many, how, how long are you going to wait? I've been here 32 years. Can, can it be my turn to get in first this time? Guys, hey, can we, or, or how desperate do you get so you just like lay right next to the pool? And as soon as it bubbles up, you just kind of roll over into it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, come on. Like, you know, like this is like crazy. This guy's like, no, like I, I can't. I can't. Totally defeated mentality. And Jesus' reaction to him saying I can't is just amazing to me. He's like, I can't. I can't be healed. You know, I've got, you know, the, 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 it's too far away. No one will help me. And Jesus, his command, he says, stand, pick up uh, your mat and walk. That's amazing. That's amazing. Like, this guy doesn't know who Jesus is. He has no idea who Jesus is. I'm sure other people have asked him similar questions. But Jesus just looks at him and goes, Stand. Pick up your mat and walk. It's amazing, guys. Amazing. Um, I think it's obvious when we look at the sick man, something was going on a little more than just the sickness. Would we agree? I mean, I think that the story's kind of weird. Like, he probably had some sort of shame or something was going on. I mean, it, it almost seems like he didn't really want to tell people why he was sick or, you know, he, he was almost unwilling to ask for help which is strange, right? Uh, there's other stories in scripture, like y'all remember the story where, um, like I think there's four guys that like have a paralyzed man on a mat and like drop him down through a hole in the roof where Jesus is teaching, remember this? No? Anyways, that's a pretty cool story. But like that paralyzed man got help, right? <laughs> I mean, he was like, hey dudes, like put me on the roof. And I mean, this, that was like an elaborate, you know, that, that took some effort, you know, for the hole in the roof and drop him down. And like, think, anyways, pretty cool. Pretty cool. Well, this guy, 38 years, guys, can't get anybody to help him. And the funny thing is that he doesn't even ask Jesus for help. I mean, Jesus had disciples, right? I mean, Jesus is strolling around with like a little posse. Jesus had people following him. He could have said, yeah, yeah, I do want to get well. Could you, could you possibly help me and make sure that the next time the waters bubble up, I'm the first one in? Why doesn't he tell him that? Why doesn't he ask him? I mean, Jesus had other people with him. Fishermen, you know, burly men, 
Men like Josh. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to keep picking on Josh tonight, or this morning, sorry. <laughs> but, uh, you know, he had people following him, and he had uh, people who, they, they, they could have done this, but he just immediately goes, I can't, sir. The sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone always, someone else always gets there ahead of me. Just like so defeated and like the way he's responding to Jesus. I think it's pretty obvious that there's a little bit more of a heart issue going on here. You know, it's, it's a little bit more profound than, uh, than just what the surface shows. And I think that's why Jesus saw him and picked him out. <clears throat> a few things that we see here through Jesus. Jesus offers health. Um, the question that Jesus asks him is just amazing to me. You know, of all the things he can respond or, or say to this guy, he walks up to him, he just says, would you like to get well? So weird, because he doesn't, no, this is not normal. Like, Jesus doesn't always ask this when he heals people. It's very interesting. When he asks this man straight up, like, would you like to get well? It seems obvious, right? But the truth is, is that there's a lot of sick people and there's a lot of people who are struggling with health things. And deep down in your heart, you don't really want to get well. I've met people like this. I've met people who, who um, maybe you find yourself in a situation like this. But this is very common, especially with certain, certain things and, and, and certain reasons, you know. And especially if it's something that, like, you brought onto yourself or maybe it's something that, that, you know, you feel like it's your consequence. This is my consequence because of what I did. And you feel deep shame and deep um, regret. And so it's almost like this is my, you know, burden to carry. This is my, you know, this is my uh, cross to carry, right? Um, and, and they might say that they want to be healed. You know, we say a lot of things, right? But deep down in the heart, like, do you actually want to be well? Do you really want to be free from that illness? And so he asks him, he's like, would you like to get well? Because it seems like this guy's like not desperate. Like he's not all in with his heart, like really wanting to get well. And I think that's what Jesus saw. And he asked him straight out, like, hey, man, do you want to get well? And he immediately responds like with this doubt. But I think a lot of times in our society, we do this too, guys. Um, what I'm going to say maybe sounds, and I don't want to be insensitive because I know that some of us in here probably struggle with some of these things. But I think one area in the church, especially in the United States, that we do this a lot is with mental illness. I find this a lot. I find that a lot of people have like um, anxiety or, or depression or uh, bipolar. Or there's, there's tons of, you know, or, or kids. I know people who, who their, their parents and their children have like, you know, ADHD or <clears throat> whatever it might be. And, and, and a lot of times, um, you know, we just kind of choose to live with it. We choose to live with it. I know a lot of Christians, I've known a lot of people who, who just are constantly struggling with depression. You know, just like constantly there. And if you ask them, they're going to tell you, well, yeah, I want to be better. I want to be healthy. Okay. So did this man. 38 years he wanted to be healthy. You know. But I think there's sometimes a bigger heart issue going on. A lot of times, the root of a lot of these things, you know, and this, this for this man too, I don't know exactly what he had, but there can be so much shame, so much fear, so much doubt behind these things that in your heart of hearts, you kind of want it. In a sick, twisted, nasty way, you kind of feel like you deserve to not be healthy. 
And I tell you this because I, 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 I've been there. <laughs> Depression really had me when I was younger. Um, kind of crazy to think about that time in my life. But when I was young, and I'll share it real quick with y'all. Um, I was like 14, about to be 15 in that time. I wasn't really walking well with the Lord. I had good parents, and they, they took me to church, but I just kind of went just to be a heathen <laughs> and just to be annoying. Um, but I didn't really believe in, in, in a lot of the stuff. And um, I had some, I broke my hip when I was 13, and I had a lot of secondary issues because of that. It took me a long time to get, to get right. And um, I have, like, metal pins in there. And uh, anyways... <clears throat> it, and so there's a lot of things going on in my life. And, uh, you know, I was, I was like all into sports. I played soccer and all these other things. And like when that happened, like I lost all my friends. I lost all the things that were important to me. And I was young, but I remember feeling like completely alone. I had issues with my parents too. I felt like they were like these weird Christian people who like were so out of touch with real life. <laughs> um, and it was just a hard time. And I remember like I, it was, I remember it happening slowly. It just, my mind would go places it shouldn't. And I would think about things I shouldn't. And I started losing sleep. And I started, uh, it just started. And then eventually, over time, it got so bad. Like, I was suicidal. I would sit there at my mom's kitchen knives and put them up to my wrists and just stand there over the sink. And just like, I'd challenge God. I'll kill myself right now. And just like, just stupid, just dumb. But it was real, and I wouldn't sleep, and uh, I was miserable. I had a horrible attitude. I was just not cool. Um, And I lived like that from about 14 to about 15. This was about a year of my life, and it it was bad. Um, It was a really dark place, and and I knew I needed to get well. And it got so bad that I got invited to, like, this uh, youth retreat thing, um, you know, and so I went, I, I went and, and I remember I didn't want to go. And my parents were shocked that I even said I wanted to go because I, I always fought with them. I didn't even never want to go to church. They always wanted to take me to youth group. And I was like, no, I'm going to go there. That's, that's dumb. But I remember I, there was this youth camp and, and I wanted to go. And my parents were like, you want to go to a youth camp? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and they didn't know. But deep down, I, I had kind of told God, I was like, I'm going to go here. And if you're real, I'll serve you. Like, I'll go. This is it. This is like your chance, God. Like, I'm 15. Like, I feel like a big man. I'm a man. I got a job and a car. You know, I'm a big guy. So if you're real, you better show yourself to my life. If not, I'm going to do whatever I want until I'm dead. All right? I mean, <laughs> that was kind of like, I, you know, stupid 15 Allen. But that was my life. That was what I was thinking at that time. And I remember I go to this youth camp, and it was like not the best camp because the weather was terrible the entire time. We didn't ever really get to do anything fun. And it was a quick little like three-day thing. But I remember it was like the second night, and we're doing worship. And, um, you know, I, I don't know. It was like in that time, I was like, okay, God. I just remember coming to like a point where I said, I was just willing. I was willing to let him heal me. I told him, I was like, God, you, if you're real, I believe you, and I'll follow you. I remember just telling that to God in my mind while we're worshiping. I just remember saying it over and over and over. 
If you're real, I believe you. If you're real, I'll believe you and I'll follow you and, and, and I'll live a life, you know, serving you. <clears throat> and that was the first time I encountered the Holy Spirit. I mean, I had always heard about God and different things. That was the first time I felt God. And I remember, I don't even, I honestly don't remember who came and prayed for me. I don't remember. Somebody all of a sudden, like without me saying anything, like one of the youth leaders just came up and like put his hands on me, started praying for me. And I just, boom, like I had one of those baptized in the spirit moments. But I don't know, whatever. It was crazy. And I just fell and I was like, and I tell you what, guys, I've never been depressed ever since that day. It was like one day to the next. And I experienced that miraculous healing. It was amazing. Um, I, I was joyful again. I mean, I get, I get sad sometimes, um, but it's not the same thing. It's not the same thing, guys. Uh, it's not at all. Um, that depression, that anxiety, that weight, you know, you know what it is. If you've, if you've ever had it, you know what it is. You know what your depression is. It's not like a mystery to you. No one's like, oh, I think I'm depressed. No, you know, you know, <laughs> like, uh, anyways. And I remember like that night, like I just fell in love with Jesus and God changed my heart. I became like the Christian kid at my school. I went to school, I'd start preaching at people. People started calling me the preacher kid. I'd stand up during lunch and like preach at kids. And, and uh, I, had, I had friends of mine that were like taking pills for stuff. And I'd be like, you don't need those pills. <laughs> and we'd pray. And I had a lot of my friends, like they had awesome things happen. And now all of a sudden the guy that was actually taking other kids to youth group, <laughs> they had these girls like wanted to date me. And I'd be like, no, 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 let's go to church. I was, I was that weird guy. And, uh, and after high school, I went to Bible college. And, and I've been serving the Lord since that moment. Um, <clears throat> ups and downs, right? Not perfectly. There's been struggles. And I've seen God heal so many people, so many things. I've seen God do amazing miracles. Later in my life, God, God healed me again other times. I mean, I've seen God heal so many people in so many different ways. And it's just an amazing thing. But one thing that I have noticed, though, is that, like, you know, it, 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 it always comes with, like, a challenge, you know? Like, I think in church nowadays, guys, we talk a lot about healing, Right, we say it. I don't think there's a church today that doesn't have healing as like one of their doctrines, right? I mean, they all, at least Christian churches, right? I mean, I know that there's like some churches that are really opposed to like the gifts. I'm not talking about the gift. Like, if you think people have the gift of healing or not, okay, whatever. But I think most Christians believe that God heals, right? We can all agree on that. Like, whatever your stance is, we here at Austin Chapel do believe in the gift of healing, but. Some churches don't, but that doesn't matter. I don't think a church out there says, no, well, God doesn't heal people. That's not a thing that happens. I think most Christian churches unanimously agree that God heals. But the problem is, though, is that that's not enough. You can't just believe in healing, right? It's not just like a doctrine. It's not just like, oh, that, that's a cool thing to put on the wall. Like, we believe in, in healing. Like, you have to actually practice it, pray for it, believe in it, act upon it. And unfortunately, in the American church, like, we don't see a lot of healings as much as we used to. I mean, I know in some churches they do, but in a lot they don't. And I think a lot of it is just because it's become a battle of the mind when it's really a battle of the heart, you know. It's not enough to just believe it in your mind. You have to believe in healing in your heart. You have to want it in your heart. And that's kind of what Jesus gets to with this man. You know, do you want to be healed? <laughs> Desire is in the heart. 
not in the mind, right? I mean, do you want to be healed? I think this guy in his mind wanted to be healed, but possibly not in his heart. Another thing that's interesting too is that like oftentimes when Jesus is going to heal, there's like some command that demands obedience. You know, I think the, the, the misconception is just like the healing is going to come when you just go, I want to be healed. I want to be healed. Okay, God, heal me. And a lot of times Jesus or God, it's like, okay, stand up and walk. <laughs> if he didn't do that, do you think he would have been healed? I don't know. Probably not. I mean, the healing came when he stood up, when he obeyed. He didn't know who Jesus was. This guy just walks up. Jesus walks up and says, hey, do you want to be well? Stand up and walk. A lot of times when it comes to healing, it comes oftentimes with a command. I experienced that in my life. That time when I was 15, I remember, I remember it clearly. It was, it was a defining moment for my walk with Jesus. Jesus healed me that night because I definitively chose to walk with him. It was like very obvious to me that night. That night, it was just like, it was more than just a depression. It was way more than just the illness, guys. It was way more. Like that night changed my entire life. Seriously. I will talk about that night, some depressed 15-year-old kid when I'm however old the Lord lets me live. <laughs> I think that's kind of the hard issue that's going on here with this man. He's like, Jesus, you know, commands, and it demanded obedience. He could have not. He could have just sat there. He didn't have to stand. I honestly don't think he would have been healed if he didn't obey God's command. I don't. I really don't. I think that he had to obey the Lord's command. I think a lot of us want to be healed, right? Just like this man. Are you willing to obey the God's command? How much do you want to be healed? Do you really want to be healed? Or do you just want to pop another pill? It's easier. You don't got to obey God. I'm not against that stuff, by the way, either. I'm not sitting here judging you, telling you, hey, you're a Christian. shouldn't be taking anxiety medicine or depression meds or whatever. I, that stuff has a time and place. But that ain't healing you. It's just treating your symptoms. You're not healthy. That's not healthy. It's a lot easier in our society to do that, though. Do you know statistically how scary it is, how many of us are on that type of stuff? In and outside of the church, guys. I do. I'll go into a little small thing. I know I tend to go on a lot, so I will cut it off, I promise. <laughs> In my job, I go into a lot of people's homes. I do pest control. I know that sounds weird, but I have to go do the inside of people's homes a lot. They got bugs inside the house. Anyways, with that being said, I go inside of everybody's home that you can imagine. Um, it's an interesting thing. It's an interesting thing because you learn a lot about people, the way they live, the way they decorate, the kind of food they eat, the way they distribute the family members in their home, <laughs> all types of things. One thing that's very sad to me, though, is that, like, do you know how many people have pills on their nightstand? <laughs> a 
we are so pill hungry as a society. It's, 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 it's pretty crazy. And like 90% of people who take pills, it's not f to be healed. It's just to treat your symptoms. You know how people live with chronic pain? I'm talking about like chronic, like debilitating pain. It's pretty sad, guys. But Jesus wants you to be healthy. Jesus wants you to be healthy. So how come in the church, it's so much easier to just say, well, yeah, I go to the doctor and take some meds and, you know. I know it's uncomfortable, but it needs to be said. Because I really do think that Jesus wants you to be healthy. I really do believe God wants us to be healthy. A healthy church is more easily able to do God's will. Right? It's hard to do God's will when you're not healthy. <laughs> we just got back from Mexico and uh, we went to go eat uh, at this Vietnamese place. My wife loves Vietnamese food. And... Uh, we went to go to this Vietnamese place. I won't tell you. Well, I will tell you where. It's called Cyclo. It's on 35 in Parmer. Don't eat there. <clears throat> we ate there. The whole time we were in Mexico, we didn't get sick. But I've got three kids. I've got three small boys. Um, so we go there to eat. My kids love Vietnamese food, too. They love those spring rolls. They just go to town. We got sick, like bad. We all got food poisoning. Like, we're still, well, like as of... Yesterday or the day before, I think we're all good now. Especially my wife and James. I mean, it was just bad food poisoning, like throwing up, diarrhea, everything. All right, won't go too much into it, but you, can, you get the idea. It was bad. <clears throat> it was hard to do anything. <laughs> it's hard. When you're sick, it's hard to do anything. It's hard to go to work. It's hard to minister to people. It's hard to do anything. I mean, it's hard. Right? When you're sick, it's hard to do much of anything or be much of use to anybody. Right? We have a lot of sick people in the church. We have a lot of sick people in the, in the United States, a lot of sick people in Austin. And they should be able to come to the church and receive healing. God forbid, God forbid one of us in this body gets some sort of life-threatening illness. What kind of church are we? But are we going to lay hands and pray for each other? I know if my son came down with one of, one of my children with like some sort of like life-threatening illness, guys, I really hope I'm looking at a body of believers that would come pray for my boy. I really do. I really do. Do you believe in healing? Do you really? Not just here, but like when life is real. You are your actions, not what you say you are, not what a piece of doctrine says you believe. Amen. I think that when we look at this story, there's one thing that we have to address, and that's what this story is not about. Some people have incorrectly used the warning that Jesus gives in, in verse 14 when he says, sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. A lot of people, well, not a lot, some people have used that to really kind of say, basically, if you sin, then you're going to get sick. 
like Tyler, if you got the flu, that's because you got like some sort of hidden sin in your life. There's people who teach that, you know. Like if you got whatever going on, it's because you obviously have some sort of hidden sin that you're dealing with that you haven't confessed, and that's why you're sick. Well, I, I think that's a stretch. That's a real big stretch. I don't think you can really get that from the Word, not just from this text, but anywhere else. However, it's obvious that some sinful habits do lead to illness, right? We would all agree, if I just start smoking like a chimney, I'm probably going to have some respiratory issues. Pretty likely. If I start drinking like a fish, probably going to have some liver issues or some uh, uh, sclerosis or you know, whatever. The, the, I'm not an expert on whatever. They, you get sick, right? Start putting needles in my arm or engaging in some homosexual activity, might get AIDS. Right? I mean, there's, there's things that, like, if you do some sinful, you know, habits, yeah, you can definitely bring on some illness to your life. But I think that's very different than to say, hey, anytime you're sick, like, me and my family got food poisoning because somebody in my family sinned or whatever. That's, that's I think, a bit of a stretch. Okay, I don't, I, don't, I don't think, I think that illness is just part of the world. There's bad things, there's, there's bad bacteria, there's bad water, there's, <laughs> then there's, sometimes you just get sick, right? Um, and I don't think that that's teaching that here, right? But I think we'd all agree, if I start going to the buffet every day, I might have some heart issues, right? <laughs> Pretty obvious, I know, but I think it's important to make that distinction. Um, so really, I mean, uh, I think there's two things here, guys, that, that I really feel like when I was really reading this, that I really feel that God wants us to look at. We need to be more like Jesus. One of those things, we need to be more like Jesus and step out and pray for healing when we see opportunities. We all say we want to be like Jesus, right? Does anybody here not want to be like Jesus? Raise your hand, go ahead. I'm just kidding. Don't, don't. It's okay. <laughs> I want to be like Jesus. I'm not there yet. I'm far away still, but I really want to be like him. He's probably the coolest person I've ever heard of or known, for sure. He didn't walk by the guy who's been sick for 38 years. He saw him suffering, and he inconvenienced himself, and he prayed for healing, and the man was healed, even when it wasn't culturally convenient or socially convenient. We see that because the religious people get all mad because it's on the Sabbath. And you can't move your furniture, which this man's only furniture is his sleeping mat, on the Sabbath. You can't work on the Sabbath. No moving furniture. No moving your bed. Jesus prayed for this man, even when it wasn't culturally convenient, when it wasn't socially convenient. It wasn't convenient. It was a Sabbath. Jesus knew it was a Sabbath. The man probably knew it was a Sabbath. It wasn't a convenient time. But Jesus loved the man. He loved him and, and met him at his suffering. What about us? Someone's real sick at work, at church. It's sad to think that sometimes it's not culturally convenient to pray for sick people in your own church. Like, oh, those weird people praying for healing, right? Some churches really don't like that. <laughs> they don't want you doing stuff like that. 
you know, not here, thankfully. But what about at work? Probably not very culturally convenient. Your work has a culture, right? Probably not very convenient to pray for sick people at your work. Do you believe in healing or do you really believe in healing? Amen? I want to be more like Jesus. I want my heart to break for sick people. God wants people to be healthy. And God can use us in mighty ways. But we have to take steps of faith. We have to be willing to pray. And that kind of leads to my other point. But the second thing I think we really need to take from this is that as a body, as us, Austin Chapel guys, we need to not just believe in healing as a theology, but practice it on a regular basis. Have you ever prayed for someone to be healed? When's the last time you did? Is there someone sick that you know right now who you need to pray for? Or are you going to let them wait 38 years? How long are you sick? Do you have an illness in your life that you need to be healed from? Are you struggling with something that maybe it's been going on for a long time? Maybe not 38 years, but maybe maybe three, four, five, I don't know. God wants you to be healthy. I want us to be a body. Jesus wants us to be a body. It doesn't just believe in healing as a theology, but that we practice it on a regular basis. How often do you hear someone tell you that they're not feeling well, they're sick? Pretty often, right? People get sick pretty often. So I'd say that praying for healing should be also something that happens pretty often. If people are pretty often getting sick, and I know it's tough, guys. It's tough. This is one of those things that you have to put your faith in practice. And, and the reality is a lot of times we won't pray because sometimes God doesn't heal, right? That's the ugly truth. The ugly truth is that God doesn't always heal. And so the fear is, well, what if I pray for this person and they don't get healed? Or what if I put my hope in Jesus and ask for healing and then he doesn't do it? The word says, ask and you shall receive. Right? Sometimes you got to be persistent. I've heard many stories where people have to like pray over and over and over and over and over. And then finally, after a long time, finally God healed. And then sometimes, guys, he just doesn't. Why? Because, well, at the end of the day, we are going to die. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> sometimes God doesn't heal because ultimately his will is that we also die. I know that sounds very contradictory, right? God wants me to be healthy, but he also wants me to die. Well, yeah, because ultimately your body cannot be eternally with him. I mean, ultimately this body will break down. It will fail because it's a sinful body. God wants you to be healthy, just not in that old model. He has a new body, a new model for you to live in, in heaven. And they can be tough things. I've prayed for people who weren't healed. I've prayed for people on their deathbed, and I really prayed and with, with people, and they weren't. And other people we've prayed for and watched God do amazing things in my own family. I mean, something that we've tried to do, guys, is before we, something happens, 
somebody's sick in my family, whether it's my kids or my wife or myself, the first thing we try to do is pray. Is that your immediate reaction? Is your immediate reaction when you get sick to pray and believe in healing? It's not easy to do, especially with kids. Wait till you have kids and they get sick. Like my wife, anytime uh, our kids would get sick, I mean, it's just like, oh my gosh. And we want to go to the hospital. And I've, I've watched her grow in this area. It's been awesome because now we pray. Before we even go to the doctor, before we do anything, we pray. And guys, God's healed my family multiple times. My wife had abdominal pain for like, what, two years, three years, maybe longer than that. And like a year ago, we find there's a middle of the night. I said, this is it. I'm done. We're praying. And like we prayed and prayed and prayed for a long time. And then finally, it was weird. Holy Spirit put it on my heart, like just push on her stomach. <laughs> Sounds weird, I know. But God's weird. I pushed on her stomach. She like hollered. <laughs> she didn't like it. She got mad at me at first. <laughs> and pain went away immediately. She hasn't had abdominal pain since that, since that time we prayed. You can believe me. You can say, oh, you're crazy. I listen. I just ask her. <laughs> ask her. She knows. We've seen God heal us. We've seen God heal our church. We've seen God heal our body. We've seen people healed from cancer in our community group. We've seen people healed from all kinds of things. We've gone to the hospital and prayed for, how old was that boy? 18? Had testicular cancer? God healed him. Amazing things, guys. I've seen God do amazing things because we went and we prayed. We took God at his word. Now, other people haven't. Other people died. <laughs> but it's always worth praying and believing in Jesus because it's amazing. It's beautiful what God will do. So with that, we're going to wrap things up a little different this morning. If Krista, you want to come up? And Ken's. I want to... I want to give an opportunity because we are a church that believes in healing and we want to not just read the word and teach the word, but put it in practice. A doctrine is only as good as how much you're willing to put it into practice. And I feel that we're going to take a time and pray for some healing. Um, I'm going to have my wife come up um, in a moment. Maybe some of the elders, if you guys want to come up. Uh, we're going to take Jesus at his word. We're going to take the scripture at his word. And just kind of spend some time. I don't know what you have going on. Maybe you want to pray for someone else. Maybe it's not you, but maybe you want to pray for someone that you know who's sick. But the word says in James, and we're going to put this in practice, in James 5.14, the word says, <clears throat> I'm reading in the NLT, it says, uh, are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. So we're going to take some time. We're just worship the Lord. Go off in private. If you want to pray with my wife, you can. You want to pray with myself or uh, any of the other elders, if Aaron or Stephen want to come up. Um, we're just going to pray whatever it might be guys if you're struggling with something some sort of like mental illness or if you've got chronic pain I mean whatever it might be if you, if you know that you need to be healed of something come pray come pray let God 
do a mighty work. I believe that some of y'all, God wants to heal. God wants to do it. Or maybe, like I said, people that you know. If you know someone that needs to be prayed for. Like I can think right now, I have an uncle in Oregon that's got cancer. And it's not going so well. You know? I, I believe Jesus can heal him. Let's be a church that prays. Let's be a church that takes Jesus at his word. What if it was you, 38 years on that mat, and Jesus says, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? Would you do it? Would you take Jesus at his word? Let's be a church. Let's be a church that believes in healing. Amen? All right, guys. Thanks.